Hey guys, welcome back to Faith Fuels My Fire, the podcast. I'm your host, Lorena Camille. Today's episode is going to be a Bible study, and it's going to be over chapters 16 and 17 of Jeremiah. If you want to check out the previous chapters, I have chapters 1 through 13 on my YouTube channel. It's called Faith Fuels My Fire. And then I also have chapters 14 and 15 on there, and I have them on this podcast. So if you go, it wasn't this last episode, but the episode before that, and you can go check out chapters 14 and 15. And for the study guides for 16 and 17, I'll have them in the show notes of this episode. I also have 14 and 15 on the show notes of that episode, and all the previous chapters I have on my Facebook group. It's called Faith Fuels My Fire. I'll have the link in the show notes here. And once you join that group, if you go in the units tab, it'll have all of the previous chapters. It'll have the videos and study guides from the previous chapters if you want to go check that out. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. Chapters 16 and 17 of Jeremiah are so powerful. For the most part, I'm just going to be reading word for word, and then I'll stop at certain points and explain. So I'm going to go ahead and get started with verse 1. Chapter 16 of Jeremiah, Day of Disaster. Then the word of the Lord came to me. You must not marry and have sons or daughters in this place, for this is what the Lord says about the sons and daughters born in this land and about the women who are their mothers and the men who are their fathers. They will die of deadly diseases. They will not be mourned or buried, but will be like refuse lying on the ground. They will perish by sword and famine, and their dead bodies will become food for the birds of the air and the beast of the earth. That was verses 1 through 4. Now I'm going to read verses 5 through 7. For this is what the Lord says, Do not enter a house where there is a funeral meal. Do not go to mourn or show sympathy, because I have withdrawn my blessing, my love, and my pity from this people. Both high and low will die in this land. They will not be buried or mourned, and no one will cut himself or shave his head for them. No one will offer food to comfort those who mourn for the dead, not even for a father or a mother, nor will anyone give them a drink to console them. Verses 8 through 9. And do not enter a house where there is feasting and sit down to eat and drink, for this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Before your eyes and in your days I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in this place. So in these verses here, the Lord is warning Jeremiah and telling him not to marry or have children because all the children and parents in the land will perish from sword and famine. And he's telling him not to go into a house where they're having a funeral meal or to mourn for them or have any type of sympathy for them because he's taken away his blessing, his love, and his pity from these people. Because if you've been following along in the previous chapters, we see time and time again where he's telling Jerusalem and Judah to acknowledge their guilt, ask for forgiveness, repent, and truly change their ways, and they will be his people, and he will choose them, and time and time again they rebel against him, and they have these false idols and these false gods that they worship, and they completely disregard the Lord unless they need help or there's disaster upon them. In verses 10 through 13, he goes on to say, When you tell these people all this and they ask you, Why has the Lord decreed such a great disaster against us? What wrong have we done? What sin have we committed against the Lord our God? Then say to them, 
It is because your fathers forsook me, declares the Lord, and followed other gods and served and worshipped them. They forsook me and did not keep my law. But you have behaved more wickedly than your fathers. See how each of you is following the stubbornness of his evil heart instead of obeying me? So I will throw you out of this land into a land neither you nor your fathers have known. And there you will serve other gods day and night, for I will show you no favor. Verses 14 and 15 say, However, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when men will no longer say, As surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites out of Egypt, but they will say, As surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. For I will restore them to the land I gave their forefathers. So in these verses here, the Lord is speaking of future restoration. So he is going to bring them back to the land that he gave their forefathers. But first there's going to be exile, which we're going to go over in verses 16 through 18 right now. But now I will send for many fishermen, declares the Lord, and they will catch them. After that, I will send for many hunters, and they will hunt them down on every mountain and hill, and from the crevices of the rocks. My eyes are all on their ways. They are not hidden from me, nor is their sin concealed from my eyes. I will repay them double for their wickedness and their sin, because they have defiled my land with their lifeless form of vile images, and have filled my inheritance with their detestable idols." Okay, so I'm just going to stop right there for a minute because I wanted to say a few things. So in verses 10 through 13, he reiterates the same thing we've been reading throughout Jeremiah that we know that the Lord has been telling the people of Israel and the people of Judah to acknowledge their guilt, ask for forgiveness, and truly change their ways. And they continue to follow the stubbornness of their evil hearts and continue to serve and worship other gods and just go about living their life and wickedness. All right, so I'm just going to go back to chapter 4 for a second of Jeremiah because in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 4, it says, If you will return, O Israel, return to me, declares the Lord. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and in a truthful, just, and righteous way you swear, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will be blessed by him, and in him they will glory. And I have the Bible study on chapter 4 of Jeremiah on my YouTube channel, Faith Feels My Fire, if you want to look further into it. But I just wanted to point that out because here in verses 14 through 15, where he says, however the days are coming, when men will no longer say as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of Egypt, but they will say, as surely as the Lord lives, who brought the Israelites up out of the land of the north and out of all the countries where he had banished them. And here in verses 16 through 18, he's saying that he can see all of their sins and all of their wicked ways, and he's going to repay them double for their wickedness because They've defiled his land and he's continuously given them chance after chance to acknowledge their guilt and repent and only serve him and not have these false idols and false gods that they're serving and they continue to go about their wicked ways, worshiping worthless idols and serving false gods and they just keep rebelling against him. So he's saying that he's going to repay them double for their wickedness. All right, here's verses 19 through 21 of chapter 16 of Jeremiah. 
O Lord, my strength and my fortress, my refuge in time of distress, to you the nations will come from the ends of the earth and say, Our fathers possessed nothing but false gods, worthless idols that did them no good. Do men make their own gods? Yes, but they are not gods. Therefore I will teach them. This time I will teach them my power and might. Then they will know that my name is the Lord. So here in these verses, Jeremiah is saying that the Lord is his strength and in his time of distress, he is his refuge. And all the nations will come from the end of the earth and say that their fathers had possessed nothing but false gods and worthless idols and that, you know, people make their own gods, but they're not gods. The Lord Almighty is the only God. And then the Lord goes on to say, therefore, he will teach them. And this time he's going to teach them his power and his might and that they will know that his name is the Lord. So now I'm going to go right into chapter 17 because it starts where 16 leaves off. Verses 1 through 4 say, Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point, on the tablets of their hearts, and on the horns of their altars. Even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. My mountain and the land and your wealth and all your treasures I will give away as plunder, together with your high places, because of sin throughout your country. Through your own fault, you will lose your inheritance I gave you. I will enslave you to your enemies in a land you do not know, for you have kindled my anger and it will burn forever. Alright, so I'm just going to stop right here real quick because I'm going to go over some of the metaphors that he uses in verses 1 through 4. So here where it says Judah's sin is engraved with an iron tool, inscribed with a flint point. So the iron tool that was inscribed with a flint point is used for cutting inscriptions in rock or stone. So here the metaphor is showing the indelible nature, which indelible means making marks that cannot be removed. So the engraved sin of Judah is marks that cannot be removed. Their sin cannot be removed. And where it says here, on the tablets of their hearts and on the horns of their altars. Both the heart and the religious works of the people were very engraved in sin. So it's saying here that their sin is marks that cannot be removed in their heart and in their religious works. Now, I was reading different commentaries on these verses to really understand the metaphors and to be able to understand these verses and help you guys understand these verses to the best of my ability. And where it says to the horns of their altars, this may be a reference to the altars of Baal, which Baal has been mentioned at least a couple of times in the previous chapters that we've went over in Jeremiah. And Baal is one of the false gods that Judah and Israel worshipped and served. And where it says, even their children remember their altars and Asherah poles beside the spreading trees and on the high hills. An engraving on a stone tablet will last for generations. So this engraving in their heart, the sin in their hearts and in the altars are going to set a course, a sinful course for generations to come. All right, so verses 5 through 6 say, this is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. 
Verses 7 through 8. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. So in these verses, what it's saying is the people that trust in other men and in themselves to find strength and to follow them, they're going to be cursed and they're not going to have prosperity. But the people that trust in the Lord and confide in Him and rely on Him for their strength and their comfort, they will prosper and they never have to worry when there's a drought or disaster or anything that comes upon them because they know the Lord, our Savior, is protecting them and has their best interest at heart. Verses 9 through 12 say, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds deserve. Like a partridge that hatches eggs it did not lay is the man who gains riches by unjust means. When his life is half gone, they will desert him, and in the end he will prove to be a fool. O glorious throne, exalted from the beginning, is the place of our sanctuary. And I'm going to just keep reading further. Verse 13 says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Verses 14 through 18. Heal me, O Lord, and I will be healed. Save me and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. They keep saying to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it now be fulfilled. I have not run away from being your shepherd. You know I have not desired the day of despair. What passes my lips is open for you. Do not be a terror to me. You are my refuge and day of disaster. Let my persecutors be put to shame, but keep me from shame. Let them be terrified, but keep me from terror. Bring on them the day of disaster. Destroy them with double destruction. And these verses are what Jeremiah is saying to the Lord that... The Lord is his refuge in the day of disaster, and he hasn't turned away from being his shepherd. And he says, heal me, Lord, and I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. So he's confiding in the Lord and trusting in the Lord. And when he says, what passes my lips is open before you, he's saying, I will say whatever you command of me. And he's asking for the Lord to put his persecutors to shame and put terror on them, but not on him. Verses 19 through 27 say, This is what the Lord said to me. Go and stand at the gate of the people through which the king of Judah go in and out. Stand also at all the other gates of Jerusalem. Say to them, Hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and all the people of Judah and everyone living in Jerusalem who come through these gates. This is what the Lord says. Be careful not to carry a load on the Sabbath day or bring it through the gates of Jerusalem. Do not bring a load out of your houses or any work on the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy as I commanded your forefathers. Yet they did not listen or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and would not listen or respond to my discipline. But if you are careful to obey me, declares the Lord, and bring no load through the gates of the city in the Sabbath, but keep the Sabbath day holy by not doing any work on it, then kings who sit on David's throne will come through the gates of this city 
with their officials. They and their officials will come riding in chariots and on horses, accompanied by the men of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, and the city will be inhabited forever. People will come from the towns of Judah and the villages around Jerusalem, from the territory of Benjamin and the western foothills, from the hill country and the Negev, bringing burnt offerings and sacrifices, grain offerings, incense, and thank offerings to the house of the Lord. But if you do not obey me to keep the Sabbath day holy by carrying any load as you come through the gates of Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, then I will kindle an unquenchable fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. So in these verses here, the Lord is saying to keep the Sabbath day holy. And if they keep it holy and they don't bring the worries or burdens of caring about, you know, worldly things, they just obey the Lord and keep the Sabbath day holy, then he will restore their prosperity. But if they do not obey him and they don't keep the Sabbath day holy and they bring loads of work into Jerusalem, then he is going to kindle a fire in the gates of Jerusalem that will consume her fortresses. So that's chapters 16 and 17 of Jeremiah. I'll be back next week with chapters 18 and 19. Before I let you go, I'm going to leave you with a prayer. So please, if you would, close your eyes and pray with me. Lord, I pray that you be with every single person listening to this right now, Lord. I pray that you open up their mind, their heart, their body, their spirit to you, Lord. And I pray that you open up their eyes to see the truth, the truth of your word, and that you give them the wisdom and the knowledge and the strength and the courage to be able to understand your word and share the truth of your word to other people, to be able to make an impact in their lives. Lord, I pray that you use them as a vessel for your work and work through them to make an impact. I pray that they have a clear vision on the calling that you've placed in their heart and that they stay faithful to that and they lean on you for guidance and support and strength and everything that they need to fulfill the purpose that you have for them. In your name, amen. I love you guys so much. I will see you guys next time. Bye guys.